I'm Daryl Baskin. You're listening to the future of real estate on your home for success. 105.7. Remember to find your next home at homeguidetulsa.com. One address, thousands of homes, homeguidetulsa.com. Talking about property management, you know, the stories can go on and on and on. Megan Dow with Renner's Place. Megan, good to have you. And I'll just start this off because this will give you enough to talk about probably for the next few hours. I owned a a fourplex. This is where I got my uh, PhD in property management. I was self-managing, which I know you can, if you don't see it right now, she's going to roll her eyes. Self-managing, of course, and I'm, I'm a real estate guy, but I buy this house that had tenants in it, and that taught me a lot. I, I, I think the best education I have as a realtor is just from my own experiences and mistakes, and I, I bought it with tenants in there, so I didn't approve the tenants, which gives me a whole new perspective and understanding of why a property manager like you might say, I'm not going to take over this property. I don't know if you'd say this, but I'm not going to take over this property because I did not put these tenants in here. And in order to clean this clean this mess up, it's going to be very painful. So take over this this property. It was in foreclosure, whatever. I ended up with a uh, a meth lab, an eviction, a lawsuit, bed bugs, and a murder on the front porch, all in one building. So it, you know when you talk about this, there there's some serious lessons and pain that comes from property management, and it can happen to anybody. If especially, I want you to talk about getting the right people in and what landlords maybe knew they've got the dream of owning buildings and collecting rent. What are the pitfalls? What if you wish people knew to save themselves? You're right. There's hours of of, uh, conversation to be had there. Everyone's really eager. Self-managing landlords come in and not all self-managing landlords don't know what they're doing. A lot of them actually do, yourself included. I know a lot more now. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So um, we do hear these stories all the time. There's lots of things on the front end. If I'm writing an offer for an out-of-state investor who's buying an occupied property, I'll write it in a way such that tenant has to be in good standing. They have to get on our lease at or before closing. Kind of write some contingencies in there that the seller has to fulfill. Now, I'll always say if the price is right, take the property and you get what you get as far as the tenants inside. We have investors come in and buy 20 unit buildings. We go through and non-renew all those tenants, get them out, they do big renos and we lease them up. So, but you have a budget for that ahead of time if you're Absolutely, the, if you're the that's owner, a lot of vacancy. That's what you need to know. Mm-hmm. But as pr- just from the investor side, I, I can't hone in enough on screening your tenants before you put them in, which means you have to have a good screening software. A lot of landlords, they don't know how to run a background check or an eviction search. There are self-managing resources out there to do those things, but that's probably the most important part of getting your tenant in is taking your time and finding the right tenant. Well, and I had made a mistake because I turned the screening over to someone else and they missed a very important um, uh, part of the software. They Mm -hmm. didn't know what they were doing. And uh, there's a mistake. Mistakes will happen. (laughs) And I, I will always say, if you're a landlord, you will have most likely at least one eviction in your lifetime, even if you have one rental. The more rentals you have, the more evictions you're gonna have. It's just a reality of investing. Sometimes you come out ahead, sometimes you come out behind. Um, You can screen to the best of your abilities, but even property managers deal with eviction, and even we sometimes have to put the best of what we get in there, and that might be a 620 credit score with good rental history and good income. What do you look for on credit scores with tenants? Because it's not the same as getting a 30-year mortgage. Mm-hmm. It depends. So we're looking cumulatively nationwide credit criminal background check. Credit, we're looking for big things, collections to um, 
what would you call like maybe household agencies, either pr prior property managers, property management companies, um, utility bills, things like that. That shows they don't when they, when they fall short, they're not going to pay their rent and their bills first. So that's a big red flag. Some people come through, they don't have great credit, but they've got great income and great rental history. What's on their credit? Student loans, that'll drop your credit. Medical collections, that'll drop your credit. We don't necessarily fault those things the same way. If you've got collections to a landlord and collections to a medical agency because you couldn't pay a medical bill, we do see those differently and the credit score might be exactly the same. So helping people get through that process, if I'm a tenant and I'm listening right now, What's the best way for me to make sure the landlord is hearing my story, not a sob story, but I'm really making an effort to get this right and I'm not going to make my problem the landlord's problem? The landlord is always going to find out what's on your background check. So the tenants that are really forthcoming in the application process and even say, hey, I had an eviction filed against me, I was broke up with my boyfriend and moved out, but both our names were on the lease. We, he moved out, I paid it up, we can see all of that and we'll go, okay, this, so I will say, if you're forthcoming on your application, that really goes a long way. Or you go, hey, I have a it means collection. You've, you've kind of accepted where you are and why, how you got there right? rather than being in denial. And we ask those questions. Is there anything we need to know about? Is there any collections? Are there any evictions? Things like that. So the more um, honest tenants can be on the front end, the more goodwill they build with us. So... We look at those things in their entirety. If we have someone who we think would be a good tenant but seems a little risky, we'll sometimes approve them with a higher deposit. So if you're in that situation as a tenant, I would say be prepared or maybe even offer on the front end, I can pay a higher deposit. Some tenants will come in and say, I can pay six months up front or I'm willing to pay a, a higher deposit as long as it's refundable. And by the way, I will tell you, if you are a parent and you want to make sure you don't tank your own credit. Helping with the deposit is a much better situation than co-signing on the lease because you are responsible for the lease situation of whoever the other tenants may become, who comes in and out of that. You, you don't want that to be your problem. So help a child or someone in, in your family who's struggling, you wanna help them out, help them out with the deposit. Don't sign, co-sign the lease unless you absolutely have to and make sure you understand what you're doing. What do you find with co-signers now that I brought that uh, up? That's exactly what you said. We, I just had a kid, young kid, no credit, great income, good rental history, um, but because he had no credit, we, we say, well, we'll approve you with a three-time deposit or a co-signer. So, of course, his dad calls up and says, what am I liable for? I said, everything. It's just like you live at the property. Except you don't get to see it every day. Exactly. And you don't get to really know everything that's going on. So I say, if your son stops paying rent, we're going to call you and say, hey, dad, your kid hasn't paid rent yet. Do you want, you know, do we need to file an eviction? If we do, your name goes on that filing. Daryl's right. It's very um, important for co-signers to know what they're getting into. We have more parents stepping away saying, hey, I'm not going to co-sign, but I'll help them pay their triple deposit. Great solution. It's refundable at the end of the lease. Kids on the hook for the lease terms, you help out on the front end, and then everyone walks away happy. What, what else do you wish people knew? I would just say, from an investor perspective, we always have investors come. I want the 1% rule. I want X, Y, or Z. From a monetary perspective, investing looks different for everyone. I've had investors come in and spend $200,000 on a rental that only collected $1,400 a month in rent. But it was a great rental. We never had work orders from the tenant. Their cap rate was a little bit lower, but it was headache free for them. We've had investors come in and spend 200 and make 10% on it. And we What's hear your, from the tenant all the time. Megan Absolutely. Dow with Renders Place, rendersplace.com. Always good to have you on the show. Thanks, Darrell. You're listening to the Market Experts Show with EXP Realty. I'm Daryl Baskin.